and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Uh, ben, the Statman Clark is back again, as is Mr. Marcel Mathis. Both are feeling pretty happy with their weekend's picks for the Ski Racing Podcast Predictions League in association with Powderhound. Because Marcel, I mean, I'm just going to give it to you, hand it over to you straight away because otherwise, let's get it out of your system before we get going, yeah? I mean, as, as predicted last week, I, I smashed it again. So I'm, I'm pretty much on top of the leaderboard. Um, I think, yeah, I had a good weekend. Uh, and Ben, off, off, the, uh, off the duck? I was really, really worried uh, when, when they, I think, got, either had a nightmare or got caught up in the start on Saturday and, and didn't qualify because I was really worried Christopherson might do the same and I'd be three race weekends in with no points. So that would have really been a bit worrying. Um, you definitely would have to remove a lot of the nicknames you've given me that involve any kind of knowledge of the sport at that point. Yeah, well, yeah. Did you notice that you're now the stat man as opposed to the guru or the, or the oracle or the ski racing expert? You're now just the stat man. <laughs> I'll get my calculator. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so uh, for those of you that uh, have joined in with the Predictions League already, we're getting a few down. I think we've got about 80-odd people now. There's still a fair few on nil. And also a fair few, like myself and Ben, that are on single figure. So if you haven't joined yet, don't worry. There's still plenty of time. For example, this weekend, there's 20 points on offer. And Marcel is leading the way, but he's only got 21 points. So there's uh, going to be a fall from grace, I feel, Mr. Mathis. Um, so, yeah, make sure that you follow us on all the socials. You can you can uh, enter your picks by emailing us at the Ski Racing Podcast at gmail.com or you can uh, find us on social media anywhere you get your uh, socials and then you can get your hands on some powder hound gear make sure you uh, if you can't wait until the end of the season to see if you've won then you can use the discount code ski pod 10 for a discount on anything in the build up to christmas or even after christmas marcel you've uh, you, you already stuck oh, in yeah. the code a couple of times I've, I've gone in i've gone in all in. I've got myself a, a hard ski mark and a, a ski hard t-shirt. I'm loving life. And I'm probably going to do some more for Christmas for my family. Excellent. Good so, on thanks. Repping the brand. Nice. Powderhound London. Ben, should we start with you? How do you think the weekend went? A- apart from picking the, a decent shout on the Sunday, on the second day, sorry. Uh, yeah, it was really exciting. We've said, we talked a little bit in the build up about the idea of these parallels trying to be bringing racing to a different type of audience. Uh, obviously, you talked pre-season uh, about it with Marcus Waldner about what the head-to-heads are supposed to be doing. And they're really exciting to watch. None of the races really were complete blowouts. They were mostly really closely contested. Regularly, we saw people making up deficits on the second run, which is what you want to see. Uh, and as well as that, what I, what I did find was it's actually really hard to watch from an uh, analysis point of view because you watch it and you realise you've spent your entire life watching one person ski at a time and all of a sudden you need to pay attention to two people. Uh, so I had to do quite a bit of rewinding to work out whether one person actually skied away with the win or if the other person had made a mistake. But the the women's race on, on Thursday was uh, really exciting. I'll let you talk through the full results in a second. But... There were some there were some big names in there and there were also some surprises, which is really good to see. Marcel, do you think the best racer won on the day? So we had uh, in the big final, we had Vlahova taking on Paula Maltzen from the United States and uh, Vlahova ended up victorious. I actually, I, I thought Vlahova was like really good. I really was. She's been very consistent. Um, I thought Maltzen is going to win, actually, but she made that unfortunate mistake before the finish. So I thought she could have a good chance winning, which would have been amazing. But I guess she is going to be happy walking away with a second place there anyway. So I thought uh, Blahova, she's probably unbeatable at the moment. Um, so she was a well-deserved winner on that. I think she, you're, she was really consistent and she won by consistently tiny margins in every single round that she went through. She nearly got knocked out <laughs> in the first round um, by four hundredths of a second. It was a Dutch girl. I can't remember her name. I haven't got the name. Yelinkova. Was it? Yeah. I'll, I'll take your word for it. And so she beat her by four hundredths. Then she took on Brinoni in the next round and beat her by four hundredths. Then she took on Sarah Hector in the semi-final and beat her by 100th 
And then in the final, I think Maltzen had her before Maltzen fell over. I know that maybe, you know, she was running a little bit straight, which is why she was sort of found herself in difficulty, which meant she went inside. But Maltzen was, I'm with you. I think Maltzen had her until falling over. And so Vlahova walked away with the win. Um, just a quick shout out, Lara Gutbarami back on the podium. I know that we are now entering the realms of a new discipline, so it's not GS as a, a sort of a, as a comparable stat. But actually, the last time she was on a GS podium was nearly four years ago. Now she's picked up a couple of wins in speed in that period. But on the GS skis, that's her first podium in nearly four years. Yeah, she looks like she really enjoys that head-to-head nature of things. One thing I was paying quite close attention to uh, on a lot of the replays were people's footwork because normally in GS races, once you're out of the gate and you get your initial skates out the way, you don't see a huge amount of people lifting up their feet. It is generally start powering the skis and really get moving. But on these shorter turns, there's a lot more footwork, more akin to the first few gates of, of, of slalom. And Lara's footwork was really, really good to keep the power building through those first few gates. I saw quite a few people that ended up getting knocked out, getting kind of caught on their inside ski as they were trying to skate to build speed. They got kind of stuck inside where they couldn't accelerate. Um, so it's really good to see that from uh, from Lara. Interestingly, Vlahova said after a few uh, Instagram posts of, of and, and interviews of just stating just how exhausted she was. So from those uh, back-to-back slalom victories in Levy, then flying down and then the effort that looked like they went into those kind of eight knockout runs was incredible. Um, and you can see possibly why Schifrin decided to sit this one out uh, after being quite exhausted after that first race weekend. So it's interesting to see if the energy expenditure is worth it in the long run for a hundred points. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the course of a season, how tired the people who put in those, parallel races get they're off to switzerland next weekend aren't they for super g's which we'll, we'll go on to later on but just before we move away from the ladies i do have to shout out again paula maltzen that was you know it was nearly the fairy tale wasn't it she's never been on a world cup podium before taking on the best in the world did you guys see the interviews that they did on eurosport between the runs and how um she was just so excited and she was just you know, in awe of the girls around her. Uh, I love the the little interview that she does. And she, and the uh, interviewer is asking her who she's raced. Do you know who you're up next again? She said some, uh, I can't remember whose name it was, but it wasn't who she was racing. And then obviously a tech or a coach shouted in that it was Goot. And then she was like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. She really it was cool. It was really cool. Air. Yeah. Yeah, she's really that? a breath of fresh air with her enthusiasm for it. And I think her interviews were probably similar to any ones that us as fans would probably give if we were in a similar situation um but warner called it a few weeks ago when he was on the podcast he said keep an eye out for paula she kind of came a bit out of nowhere in the uh solden uh, gs to open the season and clearly whatever form she had prior to that has, has definitely carried through and as well not just not just well done to paula i mean can't forget alex uh tilly who I think equaled her best World Cup result uh, by coming 17th, agonisingly close to making the knockouts. Yeah, her. Um, I, I also thought, thought the same thing, but I forgot about that result in Courcheval where she was 12th a couple of seasons ago. Um, so she equaled her second, second best result. I spoke to her afterwards and she's just thinking about those five hundredths of a second that she missed out on and um, how that was sort of playing on her mind. Marcel's, it's, uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? Ski racing can be cruel by missing out on something so good by uh, so few sort of time gaps. It's always cruel, isn't it? I, I, I remember missing a first, second round for a couple of hundreds a couple of times, so that is really painful. But, I mean, she, she's done really well, and being 17th in that race is, is a really good result for her. That will give her a lot of confidence for the next races, and moving forward, that will be a good step. Yeah, I think um, even though it isn't sort of valid for GS points, as we're now, you know, the parallel is its own discipline and it's its own globe with its own points. So those don't count towards GS standings. But I do think that that sort of confidence on the GS skis will transfer across into form going into GS races. So I think for Alex Tilly, that's, um, you know, that's that's a welcome boost after a bit of a disappointment over in Levy, a long way to go for two DNFs. so yeah, step in the right direction. Not quite the day that um, Charlie Guest would have hoped for. Found us found it a little bit more tricky 
um, this weekend. But that is uh, that's how it goes sometimes. On to the men. Um, what do you make of the the day for the gents? I think the biggest shock had to be uh, Kilda going out so early. He was oh, a that's not a shock. Big, gutting. <laughs> big, big favourite with a lot of people on the picks. That I was, I was scrolling through, seeing how many people had had picked him, especially based on some of his results and and level of enthusiasm in their last year. Um, so it was a big shock to see him going out. But again, the people that made it through to the big and small finals, they were skiing pretty consistently the whole way through Pantro looked pretty much unstoppable as did Christofferson you know it was referred to as that the dream final a couple times in in the commentary but realistically once Kildred gone out that had to be who people were were expecting even though Christofferson didn't have a brilliant qualifying it meant he had some pretty tough races on his way through it was again really exciting the course looked to have a quite a bit more swing in it than, than the women so I wasn't sure if perhaps it might cut up a bit more um, with the with the bigger angles being thrown in but the course seemed to hold up really well on, on both days which is really important for these parallel events as we've seen it cause all kinds of problems before. Do you think with Kilda now not really taking advantage, well he obviously didn't take advantage back in, in Solden when he DNF'd um, so missed out on a bunch of points there, went out fairly early on when in theory he, he should have advanced at least a couple of rounds further on. I wonder how important these points are going to be that he's th- sort of missed out on, especially when we talk about Pantero and obviously we'll, we'll cut to Marcel for his take on Pantero. Um, how important these points are when Pantero is so ridiculously consistent. It's going to be tough to see. Obviously, we've got the speed events where Kilder will really come into his own. Um, I think he's just he'll be a bit frustrated, but I would think in future parallels he will be um, have a big say in, in where they go, um, and we won't have to wait long to see how his GS form uh, goes, uh, as he'll be uh, no doubt giving it everything this weekend. I still think throwing away decent points this early could could make it tricky moving further forward. Definitely, it could it could definitely count towards something in in the season, but at the same time, like you said, there's, there's a ton of points on offer this weekend, 200 in each men's and women's. So yes, it, he'll be frustrated losing out one. I think the DNF will probably hurt him more than getting knocked out in, in this because in parallel, you kind of know it can happen quite, quite easily. Whereas in, in Solden, he was absolutely flying when he, when he uh, skied out. So it's a problem, but you can't really be chasing points this early in the season. You just got to do, do your skiing and, and let the results come. I have to say, like in in terms of chasing points, Kilda is not. I think it's it's a benefit for him if he skis well in GS, but he doesn't have to, because he has I don't know 20, 20 races in downhill and super G where he can podium. So I think it's more pressure on the other ones to podium in like the speed events because Kilda will be more likely being on the podium rather than Pinter or Christopherson being on the podium all the time because there is simply yeah. more races in, in the technical discipline. So I think like going out in like the first rounds or whatever, I don't think it bothers him too much because he knows that he will be having his chances. It would be worse for Pinter and Christopherson bottling it um, because they have done in the past, right? If you look back last year and the year before, they were not really good in, in those parallel events. So they really had to step up this time and, and be like on the podium to be still in the mix um, because for them, all the points count, like in giant slalom, slalom, everything can happen within a second. So if you, if you straddle once, you straddle twice, you might straddle four times again, like in a row, you know, like it's, it's all about the confidence and then all of those um, uh, things can play. Um, so I think it, was, it wasn't that bad for him. It was probably more important for Christopherson and, and uh, Pinterot to, to be on top. So the race itself, so we saw in the small final, we saw Alexander Schmidt of Germany face off against Adrian Pertl from Austria. So uh, Schmidt ended up taking the final step on the podium. And obviously we just talked about Christofferson narrowly missing out to Pantero. But I don't think he ever looked like beating Pantero from the get-go. It wasn't even, you know, it wasn't sort of neck and neck sort of one was leading then the other one was leading it was all right from the get-go I think Pantero was ahead seemingly and just sort of eked it out every single turn I thought it would be it would have been quite interesting to see the times as well because you never really know who is actually the quickest um like on an individual run 
Yeah. Because I, I then took the last, the, the small final as like an indicator who could be quicker because Schmidt was going against Pintero and Schmidt was like pretty much ahead of the other guys. So I thought it could potentially go into Pintero's direction because they seem to be quicker as like a couple. So it, it would be really interesting to have the times running as well to see like where people are. And uh, a young gun Austrian pick just yeah, narrowly missing out on the podium, but finishing in fourth. We haven't seen, Pertor came on the scene a couple of years ago, wasn't it, where he podiumed in slalom? But then last season, I guess, finding his feet rather than just sort of exploding onto the scene with a podium. Uh, and then do you think this is the start of some uh, good things from him this season? I'd hope so. I think he's, uh, he's I, I know him a bit from my time and he seems like a really nice guy, uh, very focused on what he's doing. So I hope this is like, some initial result for him to keep going. How old and is he? I think he is born 1996. Okay. Um, so he's he's not young, but he's not old as well. So I guess he has a good potential moving forward. And it was really important for the Austrians having that home race and having someone close to the podium. Absolutely. No, I thought I thought that I thought it was really good. I really really enjoyed the parallel format. I thought um, we haven't seen any moaning athletes on on social media saying that they didn't like it or anything like that. So I think it was received really well, looked great. The spectacle from, from what we could see on TV looked brilliant. You know, I don't think you could tell that the atmosphere was different. We, we didn't see moaning on social media, but we did get a relatively uh, hilarious post from the uh, GS World Cup leading uh, racer, Lucas Bratton, uh, who didn't have the best of days qualifying uh, didn't make it through to the knockout stages and, and turned to Instagram to say that he had some Netflix to catch on so he was leaving work early for the day um, <laughs> which I think I think made a few people laugh it was a good a good take on probably a bad day bad day in the office for him um, and that's what you've got to have as a racer like you can be annoyed that you haven't executed what you wanted to but if you can you know have a laugh with it and, and get on uh, ready for the next week then so be it so it was, it was quite funny to see him taking it quite lightly yeah, I thought that was a, a nice way to sort of try and get away from, obviously, that you had a bit, bit of a pants morning. Marcel, your dad being Pantero's technician, give us a bit of an insight, because you spoke to your dad, didn't you, about how much gear they use, how difficult it is from a, you know, a staffing perspective, as opposed just to Pantero doing so many runs and being so tired. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to him a bit, and he said it was, it was quite stressful because they were literally like going up and down and up and down. As you could see on TV, like the runs were really quick, which is good for us, but probably quite tricky for the people involved. And they've had like six, five, six pairs of skis up there just to make sure that they have some good fresh skis every run. So it's it's very professional. And I would assume the other ones had equal amount of skis on the on the mountain. So he said it was it was quite stressful compared to a normal race. I bet more than quite stressful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was interesting. It was a nice different angle, I think. We saw a little bit of stuff on TV from the technicians you know, tinkering with edges, getting the diamond file out, making sure that they were all good, ready to go. Nice bit of prep for us um, nausey keynotes, looking at all the little details of it. I thought it was quite interesting. But um, shall we move on? Anything else to add before we depart think, the parallel? I think we should give a shout out to the organisers because in those difficult times, they have done an amazing job pulling yeah, that especially together. Yeah, with how little snow as well there was. I mean, there was rumours going around that it might not hold up because there's no base, you know, all the fake snow coming on, all the farm snow, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think it looked really good. You couldn't tell that there was no natural snow there. No, it was amazing. It looked really good. The, the courses looked quite even, which is something that's been complained about before. There was no one course that was clearly an advantage to be on. There might have been sections that are a bit quicker, but normally they even out over the case of the run. So I think that the organisers did a great job. I really thought, Marcel, you were going to say, let's give a shout out to Charlie, but we'll let's give that one for now. <laughs> <laughs> he has done well, but well, he, did, he did well for one one run, one 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 run well, and uh, one that could have been improved on. Well, let's hope that gives him some confidence for next week. I think the guy doesn't need extra confidence, to be fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marcel what this is your uh, second time on the pod this season and I forgot last time out to do our new feature which we did which we kicked off with with Warner so at some point Ben and I'll have to do this but right now it's your time so I've got a few questions for you 
to help us get to know you? Oh God, that's really tough. Well, it's not because it's about you, so it should be relatively easy right. for you to answer. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Where's your favourite place to ski? Um, Lexers. Oh, nice. How apt. If you could ski with anyone for a day, who would it be? I mean, I would say my girlfriend because she's sitting right next to me, um, but potentially Bodie Miller. <laughs> <laughs> potentially who? Bodie Miller. Oh, no, close second, yeah, close second. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Close um, second. <laughs> favorite place to at pray? Oh, St. Anton. We have been there last year, and then, oh, my God, everyone should go there. It's unbelievable. Who is the best racer of all time? Um, probably Marcel Hirscher. Yeah, I can see that. What is your most memorable moment in skiing history? So not, not about you, just in general, what's sort of a standout memory for you for, on ski racing? God, I'd like to go back a couple of years. Um, probably how they were skiing in Kidsville without any fences and without any groomed slopes. I mean, I couldn't like point out to an exact time, but I think that is pretty impressive. Complete this sentence. When I'm not skiing, you will find me. On the sofa. <laughs> <laughs> I live in the high life. Look, glad to or, see or, that. The same... Or nowadays, maybe in a, in a pub. <laughs> <laughs> not, well, not nowadays. Oh, well, not nowadays, yeah. <laughs> Worst moment on skis. Oh, it must have been one of my injuries. <laughs> They're never really nice. No. Actually, yeah, that was mine. Yeah. Okay, uh, and last one. You're going on a road trip to the Alps. You've got three spare seats. Who's coming with you? Well, Ed, Ben. Oh, excellent. And I'd like to say Charlie, but it's probably not Charlie. It's actually, um, it will be Luke. Of <laughs> <laughs> Luke Stone. Well, he's, he's, um, he dodged our pod call this week, didn't he? He did. Apparently has a lot more important things to do. Now he's a dog, you know. <laughs> I thought you said now he is a dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he's just got a dog. He's not a dog. <laughs> okay, I need I need some sort of like funky theme tune music, like sort of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, like and then cut out, just to end my uh, new feature. I quite nice like one, it, Martel. Yeah, thanks. We now well, know what did you. Say? You'd have to check back on the Instagram. It's all over there. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. Yeah, it was on the podcast as well, Marcel. I wasn't listening to it. <laughs> Excellent. I don't <laughs> listen unless I'm on. Yeah, there's, no, a, there's, that... a, there's a plug if ever I've heard one. Actually, you know, funniest story. Charlie told me, oh, I'm listening to the podcast before I go to sleep. And I was like, well, I'm not sure if this is something you want to listen to before you go to sleep. He's probably like waiting for his name to be called on the podcast. It takes probably like an hour until he gets there. <laughs> Is he trying to say that we send him to sleep? Well, is that the other way we could take that? Oh, it's my, my go-to-sleep music is listening to you guys ramble on about skiing. We're, getting, we're just getting kicked left, right and centre here. All right, enough, enough from you, Marcel, I think, for that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> just uh, before we move on to what's happening this coming weekend, we saw this week via the old social media that uh, Thomas Dressen, downhill um, German superstar, is a... Uh, got himself another injury um had another operation on his hip i believe um and he won't be racing anytime soon he didn't say how long he thought he was going to be out for i don't think but he um so yeah we won't see him racing in the in the uh, near future which sucks um also just a quick shout out um to mark gissin swiss racer former now former swiss racer who has retired after what was a horrific crash a couple of years ago back in december 2018 he was racing in val gardena caught an edge crossed his skis on the first of the three rollers on the camel so the, the sort of initial one which isn't the you, you know you only really get light there before you launch off off the second hump and then catch the downside of the third uh, and he had a horrific crash um did himself some real damage um and actually i think uh, he he was clinically dead for a, for a little bit there when they were reviving him uh, and he's just never been the same since and um we wish him well he's tried racing again just doesn't quite have uh, the same level of uh, of i'm not sure the right word 
just doesn't doesn't quite have what he used to have before his crash. So he's decided to hang up the boots, which was a bit of a shame. Well, so you, you used yeah. to race them for a bit as well, didn't you? Yeah, I thought he was uh, he was actually a really good skier. Unfortunately, he didn't make the heights that his sisters did in terms of results, but he was always having lots of injuries and coming back, which I saw a good post from another Swiss ski racer shouting out that he was a, a fighter and like a, a role model in that sense. So it's not always about where you end up, but it's also about the road you take. So I think he has done really well. And it's a shame also about Dresden. That's going to be a huge blow, but opens up uh, opportunities for others, I guess. Yeah, it's really tough to see careers cut short with, with those kind of injuries. I mean, it's, it's bad enough when it's, you know, your knees and bits and pieces and you're always getting put back together. Uh, Ed and Marcel, you guys have first-hand experience of this, but when it's at the hands of something so... Uh, so uh, I guess big and, and and dramatic the way that these some of these downhill crashes and super G crashes can be it really is kind of jarring to watch um, and it's and it's and it's not great but that's something we need to keep in everyone's mind that this sport is is dangerous we we love it and it's brilliant to watch but it can be you know really really dangerous for people to be involved in so hopefully I Mark think... finds uh, something that 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 kind of keeps his passion going moving forwards I think um, in what what has been an eventful weekend for sport with when you look at uh, Roman Grosjean in the Formula One? Yeah, I think it's astounding that crash that I don't know if you guys have seen it and and some of you, especially North Americans, might not have had a chance to look at it because you, you're not clued up on the Formula One. But uh, one of the Formula One races, a French guy had a crash early on in the race and he basically went through an Armco barrier and then the the car split in two and went on fire. Literally, he's in a ball of flames for about 15 seconds while he's trying to get out of this car. Well, it's an, a raging inferno and he gets out and he's only got small burns to his hands. I think it's astounding. I think we can make changes to sport and we can make alterations to try and make it safer. But again, we have to remember that, that, that ski, race, ski racing or sport in general, some of them you, you can't negate or risk. Um, and that was the same part in that race on, on the camel bumps where the late great um, David Poisson, he crashed a few races before me off the camels. Uh, he, um, I'll never forget it. I've talked about it on the pod before, but so if you've heard it already, then uh, excuse me for telling it again. But he, he um, caught an edge on that first camel and ended up flat spinning off the second camel, landing on his back. Um, but he was... He bounced and uh, managed to get his way to the bottom. And I only saw him in the finish area. And I didn't realise he'd crashed. So I asked him how he got on. And he said, um, have a look on YouTube because it'll be there. And just, it was insane, <laughs> insane. But uh, nowadays, we've got a few different things to help with sort of helping with crashing. You've got these airbag vests now that go off under the suits, which obviously absorbs quite a lot of impact. And I think that, you know, the helmet technology and all of that sort of stuff is moving on as much as it can do and as quickly as it can but again you, you you can't make it safe those big red nets to stop you going through and hitting something else are, are far from a comfortable place to end up oh yeah they are not not everyone is herman meyer <laughs> and able to cartwheel over them and come back a couple of days later and win the race <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, sorry that must have actually my favorite moment that my, most iconic moment yeah yeah yeah, that is, an ins that is insane, isn't it? A couple of days later, just win Olympic gold. Don't worry about it. But when you think about it, like in ski racing, you have your back protector, you have that whatever, but you're not really protected, are you? I mean, no. at least you have a car in Formula One, which is which can outstand like a lot of impact, but your body just can't. That's why it's so, that's why ski racing is such a difficult and dangerous sport. You talk about when you explain ski racing to somebody that doesn't know, you explain downhill skiing and they're like, okay, so you go how fast? You're like, you know, 80, 90, hundred miles an hour on ice. Yeah. That's as hard as concrete. And uh, what do you wear? Oh, I wear a Lycra suit and a carbon fiber helmet. Yeah. That'll, that'll help you. But Not that's the thing. Like, this is why we do tech. <laughs> but the people doing it, like when you do it, you don't think about it, but once you finish it, like you think, oh, this is actually nuts. Like when you go on the highway with 90 miles an hour and you crash somewhere, you probably you're gonna be have an injury. And those guys like race down Kitzbühel and Wengen and wherever, unbelievable. Yeah, but it's fun. So uh, if you say so, mate. <laughs> anyway, we we wish um, Mark all the best in his uh, in his retirement. Shall we have a quick look at the podcast leaderboard? 
we should probably have a little look at the people who don't have uh, all the expert knowledge and still pick the uh, the favourites, eh, Marcel? What do you think? <laughs> I mean, look, I'm, I'm in it Picking to win favorites. it. I've sent, I've sent you a message today. I am in it to win it. And you change the rules constantly, so I can't pick the people I want to. I think this is rigged. Like the US election, it's all rigged. It's for the, it's for the listeners, Marcel, not the host. <laughs> I, might need to, I, may, I'm, I need to get my lawyers on this case here. <laughs> So Marcel, yeah, you did pick up maximum points this weekend. So you are you are top of the league, but you won't stay there. I can almost guarantee that because <laughs> there, there might be a few booby traps waiting for you along the way. But you are leading currently. But there's a lot there's a lot of points still up for grabs. So joining you at the top of the table is uh, still Ambrosh Privac, who's managed to uh, hold on to joint leader with you. And then you've got uh, Malcolm Erskine. British Ski Academy's Malcolm Erskine. He's in joint third with Jakob Jagusek. That's, I'm going to have to get better at saying that if he's going to be at the top of the leaderboard for long. And Dave Cheshire, long-time leader, is now down in fifth place, only a few points behind Dave Riding. Had an okay weekend. No, he didn't. He had a terrible weekend. Zero points for David <laughs> Riding, which makes me happy. Yeah, and... Uh, it's all it's shaping up quite nicely, apart from us languishing towards the bottom. Ben, I, I am really enjoying. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it gives me there? a ve- pardon. How many points do you have? Can you maybe call that out as well here? Uh, oh, I can't find me. I'm too, I'm too high up. Keep uh, keep scrolling. Keep scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got four points. <clears throat> four points. And you, Ben. Oh, Ben's only got three points. <laughs> and miles behind Ed on three. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Actually, it does give you, it does make sort of, a, I find a bit more excitement watching the racing and how I get much more annoyed like when Kilda DNFs, when I've given him all the big guns and like, yeah, he's going to do it. He's strong, he's powerful. You know, he's a seasoned pro. And then he doesn't get anywhere near the podium. And you're like, oh, it's giving a bit more interest. So, Thanks to uh, Powderhound for sponsoring that one and uh, giving us a little bit extra incentive. Ed, I'm just looking at these results. You're not even the highest performing Drake on the Ski Racing Podcast Predictions League. Um, your brother right now is is miles in front of you. Um, <laughs> are you. Are you getting any abuse within the family at the moment? Or? No, I've, uh, I've muted my phone to that WhatsApp group. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think I may need to try and step up a little bit, or a lot, to be fair. And I can uh, probably yeah. guess your predictions for this weekend in advance. Yeah, I'm just gonna. I might just have to do a Marcel and just pick the favourite. Hey, you go for it. You can only pick one favourite. That's what you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> My bloody competition. I'll pick who I want. <laughs> I think there needs to be like a, a proper rule book for everyone. Yeah, I've got it. I just, I just alter it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and no, you can't see it. <laughs> as we move through onto what we're expecting this weekend we've got doubles all weekend so we've got double gs for the men was supposed to be over in val d'azere but it's been moved to santa catarina which is in italy due to lack of snow over in val haven't had the uh, early season snow that they were hoping for although to be fair it doesn't matter as i don't think the french resorts are going to open for a little while uh, in terms of people going on holiday which God knows when that's going to be. Um, so the men are racing double GS in Santa Catarina, which they've never done before, as according to the Fizz World Cup website. Uh, and the ladies are back in San Moritz for double Super G, which is always a good race. I do I do love watching them race over in that San Moritz. What are you guys looking forward to most? It's going to be good to see some speed. I know it's very strange to hear me say that, but it seems like they've uh, speed skiers have been waiting absolutely ages to kick their season off um, and, and it's good to gonna be uh, getting to see some of that this weekend. Yeah, Marcel? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think St. Moritz is always a really funny and good race, isn't it? Like lots of rollers, lots of um, good action there. So I'm, I'm actually quite excited for that. But then I'm, I'm also very excited to see the men's race. Double GS, three GSs already after those two. So it's um it's almost getting to halfway so it's it's really uh important for for the race this week it's going to be fascinating seeing because some races you know like the austrians who are leading the overall who won the super g standings last season half of them haven't raced yet or not just the austrians but in general you know a lot of the world cup tour haven't 
put, pulled on a race bib yet this season. So they'll be they've been chomping at the bit for such a long time. It's going to be really interesting I mean, to see how they get on. The, Josh just didn't win the CPG last year. I'm fairly sure uh, Sorry, yes, Corrine yes. Suter did. Yes, um, but they did They did in the downhill. And I did, right. I did, I did have that as one of my notes. I'm like, well, that's what you get. You give me these names. I've also checked the weather forecast as well, just in case. <laughs> to live up to one of my many other nicknames. Um, but you'll that's, get, enough, that's you'll get another one, to be fair, if you're not careful. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Um, yeah, I had a few notes down. Uh, I mean, the Austrians were right up there last year. I think they were like third, fifth and sixth in the Super G standings. Um, I'm not sure what the injury status is with, with any of those, Marcel. I think everyone's fit and ready on, on the women's speed side. So yeah, I think it'll be interesting to, to see. And, and obviously, it being in Switzerland, obviously you've got, Lara Kuparami finished off last season really well in speed, has got the nice positive result from the parallel to kickstart her season and 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 Kareem Suter saying, OK, let's see if I can defend my title. So there's, there's already quite a lot of uh, interesting people there and we haven't even mentioned Schifrin yet. I haven't actually seen if she's going. Has anyone seen? I don't think she's put that on social media. I assume she's going. I haven't heard it. You would have to think so. Yeah, you'd have to think so, having specifically sat out of the parallels. Mm. Um, it, it makes sense to, like, she doesn't normally sit out Super Gs if she sits any out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, how she how she goes. Again, another double weekend. Um, maybe if she wins the first one, she might sit out of the second one, save getting too tired. Um, but that's a, the, the tough bit with, with doing the podcast this far in advance is there could be another COVID outbreak or... Um, you know, more people not being able to race the, um, it'll be interesting to see whether we do see Schifrin or not and as well, I mean, Brignoni last year was second in the standing she's yeah. not had as probably as good a start as she would have liked, didn't go great in the in the slaloms the other week and didn't uh, podium in the parallel, so be interesting to see if she really uh, ups the ante in the Super G, which is probably one of her bit more preferred disciplines anyway Yeah, she picked, she's definitely um targeting every single race isn't she we talked we've spoken about it last couple of seasons that we haven't really seen a proper all-rounder not like we used to see you know the days of Reichwet or or um Kostelich right who raced you know literally raced all the disciplines and I don't think we've really seen that for quite a long time but it seems like Brunoni is going right well if I'm going to re- you know retain this overall title it's going to take me competing in every single race that's possible yeah, I think it's for her specifically because she has the chance to win in GS, right? Maybe in Super G, but she's not consistently on the podium in every discipline. So she has to ski everything and get as many po- as many points as possible. If you look into like Vlahova, she wouldn't she will win all the slaloms and all the GSs and all the parallels. So there is not that much up for grabs for other ones. So I think she has to really step up her game. So last time they raced in Samaritz, which was December last season, uh, Goggia picked up the win. Brunoni was second and Schifrin was third uh, the last time we raced. So are we looking at sort of repeat performance? Well, obviously, we don't really know what to expect yet from Goggia, but do you expect Brunoni and Schifrin to be right at the sharp end again, pick up where they left off in terms of a uh, Samaritz outing? Quite possibly. Again, we'll have to see how, how people shape out. That's the, the fun bit is we'll, we'll see when, when we get to the weekend. But some other people I had some notes next to for how do we think they're going to do, which one was quite surprising in the end. I can't remember if she got injured or not, but uh, Esther Ledecka ended up 21st in the standings last year. And there was thoughts of her possibly going for the Super G and downhill globes last year um uh, was what she kind of wanted to do when she said she was going to compete on both tours that was what she was targeting um so it'd be quite exciting to see if she's made any changes in in her setup for this season to really try and get back up to that that top end uh, of the standings marcel what are you what are you expecting from this coming weekend for the ladies i think it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see after almost a year break who is gonna who is gonna be in good form? So I would assume there are gonna be some some new names up there as well. So that's I think I'm I'm actually I'm actually putting my money on Vlahova for the first race. I think it's time for her to win a Super G, and <laughs> she will have like she will have the biggest salt confidence they get. I like it. I like it, Marcel. Should we should we crack on? Should we crack onto the picks then? As you hey. you're so you're ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I, I've done a lot of research actually on that. So. Um, well, normally, normally your research is just looking at the uh, <laughs> World Cup leaderboard and going, "Well, you've you're top of the leaderboard, so you'll do." 
but usually I go on my petty power app and see who has like the worst odds and then I'm gonna I'm gonna put my money on that <laughs> I mean the, book, the bookies tend to know who's favorite uh... all right come on then Marcel hit us with it so you're going Vlahova are you yes on the first race and on the second race I go with um Brignone all right cool I like it Benjamin I have got down for the first race. I'm going with Lara Gubarami, uh, a bit of a home home win for the Swiss. Uh, and then on the second race, uh, I'm going with Stephanie Veneer. Someone's got to pick an Austrian, right, Marcel? Oh, that's a good shout, actually. Oh, I like it. Um, I um, I was quite unsure who to go for, so I did look at the uh, standings, and I'm going to go Karin Suter with race one. <laughs> I don't you I don't know how good she's skiing in reality, but um she's gonna be ready to go, that's for sure. So I'm gonna go with her in race one. Uh, I was gonna go to Goop Barami actually, because she does love it there. Mm, yeah, I'm gonna stick with it. No, no, I'm not. I'm gonna go Brianoni, race two. I thought you were just going to quickly throw out Schiffer well, and then as a massive I nearly did. I'm, pick from be, your side of things. Oh, to be, to be fair, I'm just, I'm just no, you, peppering, peppering. You just the... go with Brignone because I did, so you want to get some points in the second race. <laughs> oh, did you go Brignone for the second race as well? <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Okay. No, I don't want to do that then because you, you're you, you're already starting to throw your, throw your scores because I'll make something up that means you can't get points for her, so <laughs> I don't know having to do that for myself. Um, what a, yeah, Schiffrin. Yeah, Schiffrin race. I wish I hadn't said it now. Yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. What the... I'm quite happy with that. Three-time overall champion and last year's champion. Oh, picking, whatever. Picking... <laughs> that's, that's rubbish. I mean, it's not that's true, but yeah. Okay, men, Santa Catarina double GS. What do we reckon? The piece, the piece there is pretty rolly. I don't remember it being that steep. Is it like on the bottom? I think it's on the bottom of the downhill, so it's probably pretty it's rolly, steady, isn't it? steady, rolly. I guess that's good for Kilda. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to pick him, but <laughs> <laughs> is he too, he's too far down the standings, isn't as a, he? As a hint for you. DNF as a hint for you. <laughs> yeah, we've got a bit of a problem with picking the, uh, for, the, for the men's because we're still not sure if the three Swiss racers who got caught up in the, in the COVID issue last week who couldn't race we don't know if they're going to clear the protocols in time to be able to race and it'll be a real shame if they've had to miss the parallel and then this weekend as well but some some kind of interesting names and, and thoughts I'd, I'd noted down was is, is Pintro going to be gutted that he's missing out on that home race because he normally destroys everyone um, in Val d'Isere on that ridiculously steep bumpy icy uh, fast um, moving across to what you guys have just described as a kind of much more um, relaxed terrain, rolling uh, GS. Does that play a bit more into some of his uh, opponent's hands? Than, I mean, to be his? fair, to be fair, pretty much every single World Cup GS that isn't down the fast is going to be relatively flat in comparison. <laughs> I don't think there's anything like falling down the fast and trying to turn. Um, yeah, I bet that. Uh, but yeah, just on the Swiss front, I was having a message back and forth with Justin Mercier, who was one of the athletes that um, missed out on the parallel due to the, the positive COVID test. He was saying that he's not yet sure whether he's allowed to race yet. And he said he should. Well, he needs to find out in the next couple of days because it's going to be Tuesday tomorrow. Um, and obviously with the racing at the weekend, they'll, they'll arrival day will be Friday. They need to do their COVID tests on the Thursday. Um, so he'll be, need to know if he's if it's even worth him going to get a COVID test. Remember when Marcus Valdner was talking about what they're going to do with, in terms of the, the things in place when you've got a COVID test, they were going to take it from the local region's government protocols. Um, so we'll, and they seem to be changing all the time. So who knows what's going to happen there. We'll just have to keep an eye on social media and, and, um, and see if we can get a little bit more insight info into it, but it will be a shame if we don't get Odomat, we don't get, Mauricier and we don't get um, Loic Mayer because those th those uh, three were the ones that missed out for the Swiss and they're all big names they're all, they're all people that could uh, certainly podium if not win so and yeah. Marcel did uh, Marco Schwartz also get uh, he did he did a positive coronavirus test as well so that could be another person although he's not a particularly 
high up favourite in the GS. He has shown glimpses before that he can actually perform on those skis. I think it's something he was looking to. Could be a blessing yeah. in disguise, um, to be fair. I think it would have been pretty good for him because he's he's quite good on flats. Um, so he could have been really good on that race, actually. But also we- those Swiss guys, like I mean, they literally just got off COVID, like they couldn't train. So it's going to be really tricky anyway if they can ski. So I'm, I'm hoping they can ski because it would. Yeah, they did say help. they. They did say they felt ill. It wasn't like, you know, yeah. by all accounts, that you know, some people get it and, and feel fine and some people get it and feel bad, you know, pretty ill. And and these guys were saying that they were, you know, they were properly ill. So, you know, how long it takes to recover from being sick and then you're supposed to try and be at your peak physically, even if you are allowed to race 10 days, whatever it is that since they had their COVID test is, is uh, not an awful lot of time to, to get back to full fighting fitness, is it? Especially with something like Corona. Yeah. They probably yeah. are quite happy to not race in Val d'Isere because that would have been even harder for them. Exactly. Um, yeah, what, definitely. Last GS, just to remind you, was Lucas Bratton. Young Norwegian took his first ever World Cup podium, first ever World Cup win over in Seoul. Marco Odomat, who we've just been discussing, was second. And Gino Cavietzel, um was in third. Do you take any predictions from that form or was that too long ago? I mean, it shows that they've got form in this season as opposed to anything from the back end of last year. They might have lost it since then or not been able to train very much, but knowing they can do it this year as opposed to other people who might be looking back at last year's form. But we'll be honest, it was a bit of a surprise to not have Pantra and Christofferson on the podium in Soldham. So I would expect a fairly hefty response from both of those this weekend to try and put that marker back down and say, all right, we're the, uh, uh, we're the tech gurus around here. Yeah. I think Gino, obviously he had like, a, he had a good race in, in Lech as well. So he came, I think six or seven. So he's, yeah. he seems to be on, on pretty good form right now. So I think he's one to watch out for. Little underdog. Is that going to be a little underdog for you there, Marcel? I wouldn't go that far, but I, I just want to. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody wanted to say anything before we hit, hit up with the picks? Yeah, I'm No, out. nothing nothing too much. I was a little bit interested to see, do you reckon we'll have any Italian firepower on the last minute change to home snow? And we'll see anything from Ali Prandini and Borsotti? I feel like with those guys, they've definitely got the skills, obviously. They're so inconsistent and have been for the last couple of seasons. I don't, I don't know. Dele Prandini showed some good stuff over in um, in, Val- in um, Solden, excuse me, and then had a bit of a worse, I was going to say, you know, a bit of a subpar second run after skiing really well in the first and just a bit topsy-turvy. And I'm not exactly sure if I think that he's got the consistency for me to sort of think that he's a real contender, but I'm, I'm not doing very well. I'm picking who's going to win. So who knows? Marcel seems to pick them. Come on, Marcel. I mean, I, 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 mean, I think the, the Italians, it probably isn't, isn't their snow and not, and not their slow beater. I think they're better on steeps. If you look at Borsotti, he's very quick. Like very agile, so is Oliver Andini. And I would assume that when the race starts on Saturday and Sunday, it will be someone winning who can like have that long flow within the turns. And I don't think they'll have that. And I'm really sorry to say, but I don't think they're gonna be on the podium. Okay, fair enough. Do you think someone more like uh, Tommy Ford, who we haven't seen much from in the I, last I couple of seasons I, as much? I think Tommy Ford is gonna be that's gonna be pretty good. And if Ligeti like can straighten his line a bit because if he skis around it's probably tricky but if he can straighten it a bit I think he's really good in those long turns and those like pushing the skis like all the time keep them flowing and I think that's pretty good and I, I would also assume Christopherson because he seems like he bulked up quite a lot so that will be also a topic that you have a bit more weight and that's pushing you down so I think there are a couple of factors that have to be taken in consideration this time. Okay, those those factors taken into consideration, Marcel. It makes me go for Pintero for the first race. Classic. And um, for the second race, if he has finished Netflix by now, uh, Broughton. <laughs> He's completed it. He's completed. Ben, I've got uh, first race Christopherson to carry on his form from the parallel, lay one down. Uh, on on the second run, um, hopefully tying in with what Marcel just said will be really suiting. Uh, uh, Jan Kranich, I've got for the uh, Sunday. 
he loves it he loves a big open flowing uh ripper of a turn yeah yeah he does he does i'm gonna stick with kilda i feel, figure if i say it enough he's gonna eventually do it well we'll move on to speed soon and then okay so yeah i'm gonna go with kilda in the first race because he needs to get on with it and i think the pressure's on and so i'm gonna go kilda race one i, I was gonna go christopherson but You've gone Christopherson. Marcel's pumped him up a bit. Oh. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I'm going to go... Do I want to risk a caveat sell race two? Yeah, caveat sell race two. Um, I think you're he, in his head, Marcel. You're in not, his head. Yeah, yeah. Really. <laughs> form is, especially in skiing, I think that consistency stuff, form really plays a big part. And he, he has been on form right from the get-go. So as long as he can keep away from the lurgy within his own team. I think he's got a good a good opportunity. Um, so if you guys want to send in your picks to the Ski Racing Podcast Predictions League in association with Powderhound, the guys at Powderhound have also, um, we've teamed up and are doing a competition to do a little giveaway. So what you have to do, if you haven't already done it, is follow both of us on social media. So Ski Racing Podcast on Instagram and Powderhound london ldn on instagram as well make sure you like you're following both tag three of your friends and that'll enter you into competition and we will uh, the competition closes on friday and then we'll get your uh, the picks in terms of uh, who's going to pick up the prize after that um and so yeah all you've got to do to enter the predictions league is send in your picks just for the winner we just need one pick and make sure you're giving us uh, who you think it's going to be in race one and race two make it nice and clear because I can be a little bit slow, especially as we're getting more and more entries makes it pretty tricky. So yeah, make sure they're in. They've got to be in by lunchtime on Friday, lunchtime UK time, 12 o'clock GMT to make sure you're entered in. We've, had, we've been accepting a few latecomers, but as I get further and further down the leaderboard, I'm going to have to be more harsh with you lot that are late. Uh, maybe I'll start giving minus points for latecomers. Marcel, <laughs> I'm just gonna... I would I would not be on the leaderboard if I would be. I'm just going to start blocking your phone number, and then you can't tell me who's going to get your pick. I just assume that you've you're late. You've lost the, the, the plus side of being on the podcast, Marcel, is you get your picks in early, so you can't disqualify you on that side. That is definitely an advantage here. Is it, anything else, guys? You want to anything else? No, make sure uh, you enter the competition. You get some free stuff. Uh, before Marcel buys all of the uh, mugs from uh, Powder Stock, Stock's getting low at Powder Hard. <laughs> I will buy all of them, so you better make your picks. Right, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me. What is going to be a bumper weekend? I cannot wait. Uh, thanks again. Until next time, goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.